0: I have started the series called Friendship with God. We're doing the series Friendship with God, and I believe that it's important to have a good friendship with each other. But as I mentioned last week, Christianity is one religion where God is not just the Heavenly Father but he's a friend, and he not only is a friend, but he is someone who made sacrifices in order for that friendship to develop. And I have checked a number of religions, and I haven't found in any other religion where God actually makes a significant sacrifice for his people. And so that is one area that Christianity is unique. And so last week we looked at Enoch, who was translated, he he didn't see death. And then we moved on to look at his great-grandson, Noah. Today we are going to be moving on to talk about Moses. And I find that Moses is a very important person when it comes to examining this issue of friendship, and I'm calling this message Moses, from messenger to mountaintop man. Moses, messenger to mountaintop man. Because I realized as I've I've read the book of Exodus, and this week, even though I didn't necessarily have to do it, I just wanted to go back and trace what happened with Moses, and I realized that at first he was simply a messenger. But then as things developed, as the relationship between him and God developed, he was no longer just a messenger, but he became a significant friend of God. And so we're going to examine this to see how this whole thing of being a messenger from God for God changed to being one who became a friend on the mountaintop. But as we're going to do this, let's just take a moment to pray because I believe that God wants to speak to us about being a friend through the life of Moses today. Lord, thank you again that you choose to call us friend. You choose, Lord, to... Know us by name. You choose to come and be with us, Lord. And so this morning we simply come and we say, Lord, teach us anew. Things that we have not looked at before. I ask you, Lord, that you would open your word and just reveal yourself to us through your word this morning, Lord. And we give you the thanks and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just to give you some background about Moses, Moses was born in the time of the the Pharaohs. And what was happening is that the Hebrew children were in Egypt, if you remember a story about Joseph, how they came to Egypt when there was a big famine in the land. We're not going to go through that today, but the children of Israel, were in Egypt, and they experienced good favor until Joseph, the patriarch, died. And when Joseph died, the Bible tells us that there came a king who did not know Joseph. And so they started to treat the Hebrew children in a very bad way. And the Hebrew children became a actually became slaves to the, chi- the Egyptians, and so Pharaoh realized that these children, the, the more work they gave them to do, the more they were multiplying. I don't know why hard life causes people to multiply, but that was what was happening. And so Pharaoh had a scheme, he said, you know what's going on? These people are getting too bad, they're getting too big, they're getting too powerful, So." He spoke to the midwives and said, midwife, what I want you to do is whenever they have children, you two, you look and you examine and see, is this a boy? And if it's a boy, I want you to throw him in the river. Wicked scheme. But then the Hebrew, the, the Egyptian women, they feared God and they said, no, Oh, we can't just kill the children like this. This is, this is awful. You know what we're going to do? We are going to not kill the children. We're going to hide it. But Pharaoh discovered what was going on. And when he discovered what was going on, he called the midwives and said, what are you doing? What, how come the boys are still growing up? And they said, well, you know, these Hebrew women, they're not like us. Because when they are pregnant, Before you know it, they bear children in the fields, and we don't even have a chance to see it. They're like Jamaican women. (laughs) No, they didn't say that. (laughs) But what he said was that these women are strong women. They, they, They are having their children in the field, and so we can't stop it. And so Pharaoh was upset. But the commandment was still there, and so his mom when she had this son, she hid him for three months. And when she hid this son for three months, he was getting too big. And so no longer could they hide him so they decided that they were going to make some, make an ark and put him in the ark and they were going to hide him in the bulrush, ark of bulrushes and they were going to hide him by the reed. And so Pharaoh's people came and the, the princess came, and she was going to bathe by the water, and the child Moses was there, and his name means drawn out. And this is so typical because he was right there being hidden, and the mother came looking. She was hiding to see what would become of the child. And so Pharaoh's daughter came, and she said, Hey, we hear the sound of a baby crying. Let's go and look. And so they, saw, they opened up, and they saw Moses in this little area, in this this ark. And so what happened was they said, let's take him. Let's take him home. But he's so young, we need a mother to nurse him. And they went to look for a woman to take care of him. And guess what? The mother was there. She was able to come and she nursed him herself and then gave him over to Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's wife, this was a part of the kingdom, and so Moses grew with Pharaoh. And after he grew with Pharaoh, he, big strapping man, doing bench presses every day, and so he got to the stage now where he's no longer a child, but he is a strong man, and one day he goes out, and he sees an Egyptian, and the Egyptian is beating a Hebrew child, and so what Moses does? He looks around, and when he notices that nobody is looking, he slays this, this Egyptian man. And so Moses kills this, this Egyptian man because he was, he was taking just real bad prop. He was just treating this guy badly. And Moses realized that even though I was from the house of Pharaoh, I'm really a Hebrew person myself. And so Moses goes away and he thinks everything is okay until the next day he sees two Hebrew people fighting. And he says, hey, what's going on? How can you fight like this? There shouldn't be arguments and fights. Stop! And they looked at him and said, so what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And all of a sudden he discovers that what he thought was a secret is not a secret. And so Pharaoh is going to want to get him for this. And so Moses runs away, and he goes to Midian. And when he goes to Midian, he is there by the well, because I guess he's tired and he's thirsty, so he drinks some water. And as usual, some Hebrew women who lived in that area came out, and they, they saw Water, they're ready to drink the water. Moses is there, and women are supposed to be take, take a back seat. You, you, you can't come and, and, and drink water when we want to feed our sheep. We we need to get you get away, women. But what was happening is when they were running these the these women away, Moses said, No, stop, because Moses is begun strapping. Like me. <laughs> and so Moses shoos the, the shepherds away and he gives, helps the women to get water. And so the women go back home and the father said, how come you, you, you came home so early today? And he said, oh, this, this Hebrew man was there and he helped us and he protected us and he helped to give us water. And so this man said, so where is he? Bring him home. And so they brought him home and so Moses went. And long story short, Moses gets married to one of these women and he now has a child, Gershom, and he is satisfied, he's enjoying life, he has a wife, he has a child, he is working for Jethro, his father-in-law, and everything is going well, and then all of a sudden, one day, Moses is going somewhere in the hill, and he turns and he notices that there is a bush burning. And here is what the Bible says about that passage. Exodus chapter 3, reading from verse 1 to 6. Exodus 3, verse 1 to 6. And I ask you every week, please try to take your Bibles with you. Sometimes I'll have the words on the screen. Sometimes I won't, especially for longer passages. But let's just look at Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn I will now turn aside to see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Notice that Moses here is hiding because he now realizes that he is in the presence of this majestic God. And as a Hebrew person, he recognized that God is a mighty and powerful God. And so he's hiding from God. He cannot bear to be in the presence of God. And I want us to realize that, first of all, with the call of Moses, Moses first turned and he saw the sight. I'm wondering sometimes when I read this passage, how many people, passed by that same hill, the mountain of God, Horeb, and the fire was burning, and they went their way because another brush fire. I wonder if this was the first that God appeared in the fire. But Moses turned and he looked, and then the angel of the Lord appeared. If you notice in your Bible, when it says the angel of the Lord, it has a capital A, What the Bible, what what we scholars have said about this when you see this capital A or the Lord, is that this is the pre incarnate Christ, meaning before Jesus Christ came to earth as the person we know him to be. Sometimes in the Old Testament, he appeared with people. And so the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared. And God observed that Moses turned and he looked. At this site because something was different about what was going on and so now God calls Moses he calls him Moses Moses and Moses here but when Moses here and Moses recognize that it's God Moses hides his very face from God and this is important because later on we're gonna see that Moses who is in this mountain and he met God is going to have a change, and there's going to be a change in the relationship with him and God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so God called Moses, and the moment God called Moses, he gave him a task. He said, Moses, I want you to be my messenger. Every person who becomes a Christian, every person who gives their life to God, they have a mission, and their mission is to share the message of God with others. So we have this job to do, and sometimes when we get this job to do, we get so entangled with the job that we don't recognize that... This job is not just about working, but it's about a relationship. And we're going to see how that works. But Exodus chapter 3, verse 12 is a very important verse when when it comes to the call of Moses. And here is what it says. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall serve God on this mountain. So this mountain is called Horeb, the mountain of God. In other parts of the Bible, it's called Mount Sinai. And so Moses is here, and he is meeting with God, and God says, the sign that I'm going to give you is that you are going to leave this mountain, but when... Everything is finished. You are going to come and you're going to worship me on this mountain. Now, if I were Moses, I would say, excuse me, God, I think you are missing something very important here because the sign that God says Moses would have was not that Moses would have all these miraculous things. The sign that God said Moses would have is that he would one day come and worship him on the mountain. And I would say to God, God, I understand, but there is something you're leaving out in the picture because when I leave here and I go to tell the children that I'm taking them out of Egypt, what am I going to tell them? How am I going to prove that you called me? And then even if I can convince the people, the children of of Israel that you called me, How am I going to prove to Pharaoh that you sent me to call them out of Egypt? Because Pharaoh is not going to want to leave them out, let them out of Egypt just like that. And so there is this issue where Moses is on this mountain and God says, the sign is that you are going to return to this mountain. So here is the first important point I want to make for you this morning. Between the mountain and the mountain is a whole lot of mountains between the mountain and the mountain it's the same mountain there's gonna be a whole lot of moderation between this time that God has called him and said you are going to be my messenger and you're gonna do all of this thing Between that time and the time he comes back to the mountain, there is going to be problems. And I want us to examine now what will happen, because on the mountain is something that God is calling every Christian. God is calling us to a personal relationship, but the personal relationship that he's calling us to is going to be something that has to be born out of travail, that's going to be born out of trouble and struggles. And sometimes when you think that everything is all right, then things change around. Because between the mountain and the mountain is a lot of mountain. So let me examine what happened between the mountains, between the mountain and the mountain. First of all, there were excuses. Excuses. And the first excuse came from Moses himself, Uh, but but, but, Lord, I I, I can't even speak. Maybe Moses stuttered somewhat. Maybe. And so he started giving excuses to God. Lord, I can't serve you because I'm not eloquent in speech. And God gave him a spokesperson. You notice that God is taking away the excuses one by one. So God gave him a spokesperson, Aaron. Then after this, God says, Moses said, well, what am I going to show the people that will show them that you have really called me? And so God gave him a number of signs. And we're not going to go through the signs this morning. But God gave him some signs that he will show the children of Israel so that they will know that he has called them. He gave him some signs that will show he can show Pharaoh to let Pharaoh know that he's really called him. And so this is happening and Moses goes out and Moses is explaining these things. And so the people suddenly start believing him. And then Pharaoh says, no, 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 I'm not going to let the children of Israel go. And so they start doubting. And so there's this belief and doubt thing that is happening. And sometimes when God gives you a call, some things will happen that will cause you to doubt. Did God really call me or did I hear wrong? And so when we are between the mountains, we need to remember and we need to look back and say, did God really call me to the relationship? Next, there were some confrontations. Confrontations with the children of Israel, confrontations with Pharaoh himself. In fact, there were ten plagues that God had to send, and those ten plagues were, were things that showed Pharaoh and the children of Israel and everyone in Egypt that God is really God. First there was blood. Then there were frogs and lice and flies and livestock diseased. There were boils and hails. There was locusts. There was darkness. And each time Moses gave one of these signs and, and God affected the atmosphere and God changed things in the, the, the heavens and God caused lice and and. Flies and frogs and everything to happen. When all these things were happening, Pharaoh was still doubting until the last sign where God said, you have taken my firstborn, I'm going to take your firstborn. Israel is my firstborn. Israel is my, the apple of my eye. And so God gave him this sign where the children were supposed to, to sacrifice an animal and, and daub the blood on their doorposts and on the, the, the lintel. And as he did this, that night, the death angel passed through the camp. And whenever he saw the blood, he would pass over that house. But in Egypt, every single house had the firstborn killed. So God proved that he was a God of his word. He proved that even though you're, you're struggling, I will bring you out. So between the mountains, there were several challenges. And I want you to understand what I'm talking about when I talk about these challenges, because these challenges, these difficulties, these things that seemed insurmountable were things that tested the friendship between God and Moses, because the friendship didn't develop as yet. Moses was still a, a, just a messenger to Pharaoh. He kept going back with message, 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 and he kept going back. But at this time, this is tested, and sometimes friendship is born out of tests and trials and troubles. And so there were some challenges along the way as well. The first challenge was that when Moses was taking the children out. And this is after they have crossed the Red Sea. One day we'll talk about the crossing of the Red Sea and the significance. But now the children of Israel have escaped, and they are walking, they're free. God has shown himself strong to them. And the first thing that happened is that they get thirsty. This is a long journey. The water they had when they left Egypt, if they had water, that was finished. And so they came to bitter water. And when they came to the bitter waters, the children of Israel said, It was better you left us in Egypt than to have us die of thirst in the desert. And so the water they saw couldn't be drunk, couldn't couldn't be had, and so Moses came to God and said, God, what is going to happen? You have given, us, given me this call, and now I'm going, and what's happening is that the water here is bitter, and God said, all, no problem, just take this tree, put it in the water, and the bitter water became sweet. Sometimes, what this means is that we have to make the best of what we have. Sometimes things will not go our way. Sometimes we won't have what we need, but then God, what, what God wants is for us to make the best of what we have. And so God gave this, this, the, this water that was mara, bitter. He made it sweet water. Then the second thing was that they got hungry. They started to complain, we are hungry, Moses. What's going to happen right now? We don't, know, don't have any food. We have run out of food. And so God gives them manna. A food, a type of food that they have never experienced before. And God fed them every single day. But when he gave them manna, he said, each day I want you to go out into the field and I want you to get this, this, this thing that I'm going to give. And people saw it and said, what is it? And that's why they call it manna. Because they, it was, can you imagine your bread is called what is it? they didn't know what this was, but God gave them every single day. But what he said to them was, take each day for that day. Don't try to save anything for the next day. And when they did that, they were full, and the following day, it was there again. And sometimes people said, well, you know, we're not so sure about this. Let's keep a little extra for tomorrow. And it rot on them. What this is saying is, is that sometimes you have to just learn to trust in God. And so, before this this friendship relationship developed between Moses and God, he had to learn what it means to really trust God. And so God was showing Moses some things. Then the next thing is that they ran out of water. This was not now the bitter water, but there was no more water. And the children of Israel came to... Moses and said, same thing as before. It was better you just left us in Egypt. Can you imagine all the burden and the slavery and they want to go back there? And he said, it was better you left us in Egypt. Sometimes, in that journey between the mountain and the mountain, you're going to go through a dry place. And when you go through that dry place, you may want to just drop back and say, this is not what I should be doing. But when you go through the dry place, God is there to meet you in the dry place. And so God said, Moses, I want you to strike the rock and water gushed out. God provided for them in the dry place. Then there was this big fight, this big fight with the Amalekites. And so what was happening is that as they were going to the promised land, they had to pass through these places. And the first major war they had was with the Amalekites. And so Moses went up to the mountain and he overlooked the valley and the fight that was going on. And sometimes there there is big fighting going on when you're in the place between the mountain and the mountain, between the place where you're a messenger and you're a friend of God. And when the fight was going on, Moses realized that if he would just lift his hand over the war, that the children of Israel would win the fight. But sometimes his hand was getting weary. And so he had two people who would come and they would just lift his hand, lift his hand so that he would stay there the whole day. Sometimes in the journey between the mountain and the mountain, you need other people to help you through. And so God was showing Moses that this, this whole thing of being the person that I want you to be has to be this, this person who understands that sometimes you need other people. And then finally, Moses, as he was serving God, was overworked. Anybody ever serve God and feel that you're overworked? You have to do this for God. You have to do this for God. You have to do this for God. And you're doing so many things for God that you just feel burnt out. And what happened here was that Jethro his father-in-law came and he saw what Moses was doing. And he said to Moses, Moses, the thing you're doing is not good. Train some other people to help you along the way. And sometimes we just need to have other people help us along the way. I want to turn now to Exodus chapter 19. Because after all of this, after all the challenges that Moses felt, Moses faced along the way, he came to the point where he was now back at the mountain. And when he was back at the mountain, God wanted to speak to Moses because now Moses had gotten to the place where he had been through the tests. He had been through the trials. He had been through the temptations. And now, the thing that God said, you will one day return and serve me on this mountain he was now back on the mountain. So let me read Exodus chapter 19. and I'm going to read verse 3 and verse 14 to 20. Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 and 14 to 20. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children. And so here you can see that Moses is now called back to the place that he started. But now it's different because when Moses was called first, he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand that he would have to go through some difficulties. He didn't understand that he had to go through some challenges. But now he's ready to have a new type of relationship with God. So let's see what happens. Verse 14. So Moses went down from the mountain. God spoke to Moses on the mountain. And so Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly, and the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So now this is a different experience. Now Moses is back at the mountain, but it's not time for friendship as yet. Because Moses still had to learn some things from God. He still has to learn how to manage the people. He still has to learn how to live and how to, to operate. And so God gives him the Ten Commandment and Commandments and other laws. And some of us know the Ten Commandments. Number one, I am the Lord your God. I have no other gods before me. Two, You shall have no graven images. Three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. Six, do not murder. Seven, do not commit adultery. Eight, do not steal. Nine, do not bear false witness. Ten, do not covet. And so God showed Moses, Moses, this is how you guide the people. So Moses is learning, and he's he's learning how to direct the people of God. But not only did God give him the Ten Commandments, but God gave him a number of other laws, things that would govern their daily life. And so what's happening now is that Moses left the mountain, He went through all of these mountains. He's now back on the mountain. But God wants to do something with Moses. And he says, before I can do the things I want to do, here's how I want you to govern. So he does that. And then there is this second, what I would call, burning bush experience. Exodus chapter 24. And I'm going to read a couple of verses for you, from verse 15 to 18. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and a cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. If you remember, when Moses saw the burning bush, he turned aside from the burning bush. But after Moses has been through some trials, and after Moses has been through some temptations, and after Moses has been through some struggles, he has experienced a test of friendship. And sometimes our friendship has to be tested through struggles. And God was testing Moses, and he was testing him through the things he was going through. And now that he has tested him through all these things, Moses is now at the place where he says, I am no longer afraid to look upon the one who did those miracles, because I have learned I can trust the one who did those things. See how that works? Sometimes you go through struggles in life, and when you go through struggles in life, those struggles test you and shape you and make you the person who can stand before God. And so that's what's happening with Moses. He's no longer turning away from the burning bush. He's ready. But notice that this happened after all the struggles And after God has given him the Ten Commandments. And because he has been through all of that, he's now at the place where he says, regardless of everything else, I want to meet this man. I want to encourage us this morning, everybody. Dear to draw near to God. Dare to draw near to God. Because God is testing us and God is putting things in our way. But when you have been through those trials and temptations, God is saying, now you are able to understand that I am the one who keeps you. I am the one who Holds up your hand. I'm your Jehovah Nissi, your banner. I'm the one who will keep you in the struggles. And so now Moses is able to look on God. And so let's look at what happens on this mountain. First of all, God shared his heart with Moses. You see, before God was sharing, this is what the children of Israel should do. This is what you should do. This is what they should do. This is what they should do. This is what you should sell Pharaoh. This is what you sh- And he gives instructions for everything else. But now, on the mountain, God begins to share his heart with God. And we need to have this heart exchange with God. Exodus chapter 25 verse 9 says, According to all I will show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the furnishings, so you shall make it. Notice that God was not just sharing his heart, but he was showing him things. So on the mountain, God was saying, Moses, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is how I want you to know me. And also, this is what I want you to see, how I want you to worship me. So God gave Moses a glimpse of things to come. I suspect that maybe God showed him the throne room of heaven. I don't see that in the scripture, but what I do see is that God showed him things. God didn't just have a dialogue and say, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to make it, and this is how... We have passed that stage. Now God has shown him, this is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you, and I want you to do this based on this... this, this. Look at him. Look, come Moses. Don't just, just, don't just listen to what I'm saying. Look at what I'm showing you. Exodus chapter 26 verse 30 says, And you shall raise a tabernacle according to its pattern which you were shown on the mountain. Notice what is happening. So here God is not just talking to him. He is, is, is showing him things. My brothers and sisters, after we have been through the struggles, after we have been through the temptations, after we have experienced certain things that test our metal, after we have gone through the struggles and we think we can't make it, and then we come to the point where God says, Okay, Moses, you have passed the test. Now let me show you me. Let me show you what it is like in heaven. This is a tabernacle, Moses. This is how worship happens in heaven, Moses. This is how I want things to look, Moses. And so God is now sharing his heart. And he's telling him different things. And so here we see Moses standing in the presence of God after he has seen many miraculous signs. And I quickly went through the different signs that he showed Pharaoh. So Moses saw many signs and On the hill he saw, on the mountain he saw many heavenly things. God said this is how the tabernacle looks. And this is how the worship items look. And and this is how the temple looks. And this is how this looks. And so Moses was seeing all of this. He heard the voice of God clearly. God was speaking to him. Talking with him. He experienced the awesomeness of God's presence when people were looking and the earth was quaking and the fire was on the mountain he went up into the mountain in the face of God and he saw what was going on in heaven but when you go through the struggles when you go through the trials when you go through the difficulties And God goes through those difficulties and those struggles and those trials with you. You want more. Because you're not just satisfied with having a glimpse of heaven. You're not just satisfied with seeing miracles. You're not just satisfied with seeing all that God has to do. Moses' heart yearned for something more. He yearned to truly know God. In the series on friendship with God, there are many of us as Christians who have been through struggles. We have been through trials. We have been through temptations. We have been through many things. But when we go through those things, And you come out on the other end. You have a yearning for God. I have a deep desire for God. I've been through many things as a Christian. I've been through experiences where God has done some things in my life that I've only read about similar things in books. I've experienced miracles. I've prayed for people and... They have been healed and I've, I've prayed and I've seen deliverances happen. But the more you experience those things, the more you realize that above everything else, I want to experience Him in His fullness. I want to know You. In Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, we come to this passage where Moses has gotten to the stage where he no longer is satisfied. He no longer is satisfied with the status quo. I'm going to read some verses from Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 18. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside of the camp. What was happening here was that after this time on the hill, God said to Moses, Moses, go down. The children, they're, they're misbehaving. You have to take care of things. And so Moses went down and he corrected some things. Interesting story. But now that he has done all those things, he now goes and he pitches this tent outside of the camp. And so these verses are what happens with Moses being outside of the camp. And call it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. So it was that whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, each man stood at his tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, And all the people rose and worshipped each man at his tent door. So the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom will you send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider this nation your people. Before I finish this little passage here, notice that Moses had seen everything else, but his heart was, I want to know you. And he said, That's God, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For, now, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do these things that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please, show me your glory. Moses Moses stood
1: on a mountain, waiting for you to pass by. Placed your hand over his face. In your presence, he wouldn't die. And all Israel saw your glory and it shone.
0: said, serving God is going to be easy. If they said, serving God is going to be easy, it's a lie. Sometimes you're going to just face some struggles, just as Moses faced some struggles. But after all of this, the thing he wanted more than anything else was to Be in the presence of God. And that's what I want us to get about this whole thing of friendship with God. It's not about ministry. It's not about serving God in the marketplace. It's not about being a member of this team or that team. It's not about doing anything like that. It's about being in the presence of God. And Moses understood that that's why God would speak to him face to face as a man speaks with his friend. But notice what happened in the passage I just read in Exodus chapter 33. Because what happened was that Moses would go in the tabernacle and everyone would stand up and they would worship God from their tent door. There are some tent people. And being a Christian is not about being a tent person where you stand off from afar and you look at the presence of God and you go, everything is going on over there. There are tent people. But God is calling us not to be tent people, God is calling us to be tabernacle people. He's calling us to be drawn closer with Him. And that's where I want to wrap up today. If you are satisfied with just being on the outskirts, it's fine. You can worship from your tent door. That's what the Bible says. They they worshiped at their tent door. What can I ask you this morning? Don't be satisfied. Be the one who say, "Lord, the tent is not good enough. I want you. Being afar off is not good enough, Lord. I want you." Standing and worshiping you from afar, Lord, is not enough. I want you. Make that your cry. Make that your call. Lord, I want you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I want you. Nothing else will satisfy Lord, I understand that there are struggles. Lord, I understand that there are trials. Lord, I understand that there are temptations. Let, let all of that stay by itself. I want you. And if I have to go through struggles, put me through the struggles. If I have to face fear, let me face fear. If I have to, to, to go through difficulties and people not believe in me and I'm I'm struggling and and wondering if I ever was called let me go through that but I want you Father I pray for your people this morning Lord we're facing many trials we're facing many temptations Lord We have seen things that will cause people to marvel. But we want you. Lord, regardless of what will happen, we want you. Lord, if you have to cover our faces. If you have to put us in the cleft of the rock, whatever you want to do, Lord, we want you. That's the cry of our hearts. Before I say a final benediction, there may be someone here this morning who doesn't know the Lord as their personal Savior. Maybe as I've been sharing about Moses and the struggles that Moses went through, You can see in your own life that you've been through some things. But you want to say this morning, Lord, I want you. I will start my journey with you this morning. If you're like that, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Everything else. Say this morning, I want you, Lord. Put me in that place where I am in your presence, Lord. Because that's where I belong. Let me face what I have to face, but let me be in your presence. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to ask you if you're walking with God and you realize in your life you need a closer walk with Him. You're already a Christian, but you need a closer walk with Him. Just raise your hand right now. Lord, for every hand raised. Put us, Lord, in that cleft of the rock. Pull us close, Lord. Lord, let us go through whatever you want us to go through. We just want you. So I pray for each of my brother and sister here. Take us to the place, Lord, where we know you. My brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His shalom, shalom. His perfect peace. Now this morning, my brothers, I urge you, to go and seek the Lord. Call upon the Lord while he may be found. He wants you. Call upon the Lord while he may be found. He wants you. Please stand. Go into all the world and preach the gospel wherever you go. And know that the Lord Jesus Christ is with you even until the end of the earth. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Thanks for being a part of Go Church this morning.